Hey friends, it's been a huge couple of weeks. Been doing a bit of product photography, which is a bit different and it's challenging in a whole new way. Taking pictures of compost barrels for kitchens. Apparently they're gonna be a thing. They're the next big thing. I also presented the award for the best live music photographer of the year, the National Live Music Awards, which was an honor. And I appreciate the powers that be at the National Live Music Awards for letting me do that. Gave me like a little cute script and I added some other stuff to it at the start. Um, yeah, it was fun. And there was, um, there was a beer there, Panhead Ale. I'm not getting paid to say this. Panhead Ale, it was good. So drink that beer, but it's not because I'm getting paid to tell you to drink the beer. Just it's, it's a delicious beer. It was a nice beer. And then I was at Good Things, Four Good Things, which was a good thing. And it was really fun. And I have to say it was one of the, it was probably one of the most, you know, the more fun festivals I've shot in a really, really long time. You know, I, there was some people working on that festival that I've known for a while, but I haven't actually had a chance to work with directly, but they were great. The organization was great and security at the stages, they actually knew that I was meant to be there and they didn't even sweat me about it because I kind of accept that it's never going to be smooth sailing when you go to festivals anymore. You know, there's always a cluster of security who are trying to do their job and they're not sure about anything and they haven't been passed on information about, you know, people shooting for the festival. And so if you enter after those first three songs, you know, they tell you, you can't be there. And then you run into this whole like mid set explanation where you're trying to tell security that you're shooting for the festival. Um, and trying to do that over loud music is even harder. And when they say no again, when you're like, no, I'm not meant to be here. I'm meant to be here, man. You show them the AAA pass and they still say no, even though one of those A's literally stands for all. And you go, AAA means access all areas. This is an area they can't hear you because they've got the earmuffs on. They've got music playing and you're trying to be logical with them. You know, it just, it doesn't work. It's hard enough as it is. And they're trying to do the right thing, but you kind of just accept that that's part of the headache of doing festivals with so many different working parts. Um, but it's refreshing to not have to convince people that your photo pass is real. So I'm not sure if that's a thank you to the security or the organizers, but it was just a really, really fun day. There was, it was an awesome lineup. The used were awesome. Scarlord was awesome. Uh, Wax were awesome. Wax was first on, uh, the stage that they were on stage three, I think. And that tent was packed. I'll put up a, um. I'll put up a pic of it, but yeah, it was huge, uh, which is not surprising, but they had Mikey from Soho was on drums because Tommy Bloomfield was having a baby Bloomfield and couldn't make it. And so Mikey was on the drum kits and they did or drum kit. He only had one kit. I reckon he could play two at the same time, but he only had one kit this day and they played a cover of In the Isle, which was awesome. So anyone that saw that was, that was a nice little treat, but let's get into the actual podcast content rather than me just telling you what you, what you missed or what you wish you could relive. But I got some, I got some messages in the last like week or so. This one's from Meeks321. 
assume the three to one has no real relevance on Meeks. Uh, but Meeks said, hi, Matt. I thought I'd send you a message to say how wonderful I think your podcast is as someone who has no idea about photography, certainly inspiring me to pick up a camera. Your content about mental health and life advice is wonderful for someone who has a touch of social anxiety. I once touched you accidentally when I was at a front row at a series gig in Melbourne. I thought you were going to turn around and yell. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to turn around and yell, but you turned around and smiled and it was pretty great. And a simple smile really changed someone's mood. Anyway, that's my ramble. Cheers again, Marika or Mix321. I, I laughed only because I tried to imagine me turning around and yelling at someone uh, for being bumped, which kind of worries me that someone has yelled at you before for bumping them. Whoever that person is needs to like chill out or something. But it was awesome to meet you briefly, Meeks, and I appreciate the kind words. Actions That Echo wrote, I got my very first photo pass in July. That's awesome. And I had some really sweet photographers who gave me insights on the editing, which settings to use and how to approach people. Your podcast and posts really helped me a lot as well. Them and you, I assume them is the other people, and you being a main reason, being the main reason why I started feeling more confident about what I do, even if I am a small fish in the big sea. So thanks a ton for doing what you do. We're all small fish. I'm a small fish. I started off as um, one of those little eggs in the start of Finding Nemo, and now I am the freshly hatched Nemo before he realized he had the bad fin. And so we're all, you know, I don't think anyone is a big fish. I think everyone's a small fish in their own mind, and if they're a big fish, then they're just a fish with a big ego. So those people can get, um, get tossed. Yeah, they can get tossed. Toss those people off. So thank you, Actions at Echo. Uh, you two are a small fish alongside me being a small fish, and we can be small fish together. I also had some Instagram stories that uh, I thought were going to be controversial maybe, but I was pleasantly surprised about how many people, you know, wrote back to me and, and had like an open conversation about it. And so the background is that this week I made a heap of comments about releasing photos that you know aren't your best work. So I won't go through everything that I said, right? But the essence of what I said was that there's so many great photographers out there that, you know, they're producing awesome work. And I love being a part of the scene and contributing in a small way to either helping emerging photographers or being a peer, a small fish amongst people I respect. And for the past fortnight, you know, I started to realize a trend and I'm identifying that trend based off the quality that I know people can produce, you know, based off their name, you know, what they can produce comparative to the quality of the image that their name sits beside. Unedited images or quick or incomplete edits is what I mean by quick editing, like incomplete edits. They shouldn't be given to a client in my opinion. I think we're worth us as photographers and, and speaking to you, you are worth far too much to let a client rush you to produce something that you're not happy with. And when someone wants to send you 
when someone wants you to send them through photos in real time, it's your responsibility as a photographer to set standards and expectations for what they're going to receive. And this doesn't include letting them know that they won't get your best work because it'll be in real time. The client doesn't deserve that and you shouldn't be uh, cheapening yourself out to do that. And when I say quick edits, remember, I don't mean editing quickly. Some people can edit super quick, rad. You know, I wish I could, but I can't, but that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, giving off work that you know is below your usual work standard. You know, I'm talking about not editing any of the color, applying some basic sharpening and not adjusting the horizon line, maybe cropping it, you know, maybe cropping it, probably not even doing that from some of the stuff that I saw. Because you know what happens when you just give a client a photo that isn't finished and you want to go back and redo some work? The client says, yeah, that's okay. I know it's not going to be up to your normal standard. We just need them for whatever reason. But then after the event, they still have those images and they're not going to remember which ones you gave them in a rush that aren't final. They're not going to go, okay, these are the incomplete ones. Let's delete them. And here's the final edits. They're going to keep them all and then they're going to be in a different folder and you're not going to have control over the naming conventions because they already have them. So in the end, the client gets worse work and you lose control over what your brand stands behind. So it's your responsibility to set the expectation for the quantity, you know, of work you can turn around and you can give the client the choice of what they can have. You know, know your worth. A client that understands your worth will understand that you're giving them advice that's in their best interest, that's going to get them the best result of the best work from you. And they can still get what they need as well. Clients, are, they're not trying to take advantage of you. They want the best result, but they hire you because of what they saw on your website or your social accounts. And it's up to you to help align them to their expectations or your output in terms of what's realistic. And putting that in context, you know, the day of Good Things Festival, the first question I asked was, you know, what would you like me to prioritize today? I think was was the words I used. And that immediately tells me what the client needs most in their reply. And that allows me to focus my attention wherever it needs to go to get the client what they want, but also doesn't mean that I've got to deliver way more than I can actually produce because I don't really know what the client needs and asking that question it's that easy you know what what do you want today and the this way the client gets what they want and they get the best work from you because you know what you need to capture and you need you know what you need to edit to get over to them and i've probably delivered maybe like five to ten photos across the whole day at good things but after Good Things Festival, I delivered around 200 in total was like the full suite size. And I could spend my normal amount of time editing to my usual standard for those five to 10 because I knew what five photos the client needed in real time and I knew what could wait. It's, it's super like it's that easy in my eyes anyway. And I was interested because I wasn't sure what other people would think about my opinion around that kind of stuff. Uh, but here's a couple of, here's a couple of replies. Uh, Emily underscore V 
uh, Emma said, or Emma Lee, I don't know which, which way um, it is, but Emma said, this is so true. I just wish more people understood. I'm pedantic with editing and that it takes a while to hand out the finished result. But then I hear of people getting their wedding photos within a few days and it freaks me out. I constantly feel like I'm not doing my job properly because I'm not fast enough. Thanks for sharing. And I reckon, you know, firstly, you're welcome for me sharing that. I just love having discussions, but it's interesting, you know, with wedding photos, because there's probably no other job in photography that has more pressure than wedding photography. And that's probably why I I don't do much of it at all. Um, I'm a coward when it comes to pressure, I guess. Call me a coward if you want. But the client needs the best work because ideally they only have one wedding. Most people only have one wedding. In today's day and age, maybe they're having like two or three, but we got to assume that they're only going to have one wedding. So there won't be any more photos. They're not going to have a second wedding. You know, you are the person that they trust with that. My sister's getting married soon and she's meeting with wedding photographers at the moment. And she keeps asking me, you know, what my opinion is. And I can only tell her to get someone that she likes the work of consistently. She sent me some links and I encouraged her away from some photographers because their portfolio had like two good shots for every 10 that were up on their portfolio. And the other eight weren't bad. They just didn't have that same wow quality that the other two had of the 10. People getting their wedding photos in a few days other than just you know, a few for a preview sort of thing, that's pretty concerning because, you know, that's where your point of difference can be. It doesn't really, I guess it doesn't really matter um, if they're doing it. That's, That's an opportunity for you to have a point of difference. Be the person who delivers eight photos that wow and just two that are just okay rather than two that wow and eight that are just okay because you wanted to give the client a suite of photos in a few days. You know, I was thinking about it, right? Aren't newlyweds on their honeymoon anyway? Like immediately after? Why the hell are people rushing to give photos to newlyweds within a couple of days? Like the whole suite. Just give them a couple for for social and the rest can wait. I mean, I, I know I was like, oh, just get the photos to me whenever. I was probably the most low-maintenance groom for my, my uh, wedding photographers. So I was like, yeah, man, whatever. Like maybe I just know the pain of um, feeling that pressure. But yeah, I think give them a give them a little preview and then take your time with it and and be that higher quality wedding photographer if that's what you're feeling your competition is sort of delivering for the client. Hudson Pierce wrote. Thanks so much for these posts. I really enjoyed reading and please share more insights whenever you feel a need. Uh, This has made me want to better my work and to not rush my edits as sometimes I find myself doing because I get busy with work and uni. I forget that these images are also representing myself and I should always deliver my best quality products every time. You're an awesome photographer and I really look up to you. I really appreciate that. Um, You know, I get... I get the pressure of competing, you know, competing priorities and and stuff like that. But it's not something, you know, you shouldn't give out any early work to the client for this reason. You know, don't feel like you need to rush it all out. 
as long as the client knows when they're getting the work and they have an expectation around that, it's generally fine with them. Just focus on delivering the content that they expect because they hired you because of what they saw. If you rush stuff out and you just deliver subpar work, they're probably going to think twice before hiring you again or probably just hire someone else instead because they're going to be disappointed. And I'm sure you won't be able to blame them for that if you rush out the work. But I really appreciate your kind words. And here's something else. That was a two-parter, right? That was like the first part of my Instagram story. And I'm I'm glad people understood where I was coming from. I'm glad some people found it useful. And I, I'm glad some people wanted to have a longer discussion about it in uh, DMs on, on Insta. So I appreciate that. And on my Insta story, I also said the, that the other thing that I have on my mind is that I'm starting to see a shift in the attitude of photography pits. I said, there's still some work to do, but the improvements there, people helping each other as peers and not competition, the bullshit attitude and negative word of mouth opinions doesn't stop people you hate from getting ahead while you're whinging and making up stuff to derail them. They're working and getting further ahead. Slandering someone will only get you a lawsuit or seen as somebody who is difficult because they're always whinging about someone else. So while things are improving, if you're a victim to bullying in the photography industry, just keep working. No, it isn't acceptable. But everyone who talks shit on me now rarely appears in a pit or never appears side of stage or backstage. Is that a coincidence? No. So just keep working, keep being yourself and letting your true personality shine and people will love you for who you are and love your work because you continually deliver on the standard you are respected for. So that's what I said. And then Trent wrote to me, Trent Hilary, I'll link that in the post. Trent said, I agree with you so much, man. I feel as if everyone is trying to be better than each other, but in a toxic way. We should embrace more people shooting, not slipping them off. I like slipping more than tossing, like I said before. So let's let's start using slipping them off. But I, I totally agree. Hell yeah, Trent. You really hit it on the head, I think. Everyone's trying to be better than each other. Uh, they're not trying to better each other. There's a big difference, but um, a small one in the actual sentence. And then Ellie Westaway wrote, I really appreciate you bringing up this topic. It's one thing that makes me super anxious and kind of scared to take on a new industry of client work. The want to shoot what you're passionate about while knowing the state of the mindset of a few of your fellow photographers. I've been lucky to have awesome open conversations and advice from a few photographers who want the best for people in their art, but the my turf mentality really stifles the industry and the ability for any photographers looking to crack into a new genre and to try and get anywhere. Everyone has a different perspective and the state of the news and social media means there will always be someone to shoot for. Um, I really, I, I agree with this and I really appreciate um, you sharing it and I'm glad you have an awesome network or have found people worth your time, you know, to have these photography discussions with. The my turf sort of way of putting it is really accurate, I think. It's really that sort of mentality is, is a big deterrent for a lot of people. And it's a common thing that I hear and it sickens me how happy some photographers are to drive people away from an art that we love and that other people would probably love too, but they don't try it because they're put off by it. 
You know, it's disgusting. I've lost business to other photographers and I've won business that other photographers wanted. That's just how it works. And great photography is in the eye of the client or whoever is requesting the work. That's just how it works. You know, sometimes you lose no matter how, how often you think you nail it. There's also people who think they support others and then they cut them down behind their back. The screenshots I see of people, like, it's so funny because the screenshots I see of people trying to do that to me, you know, sometimes it hurts, especially when I'm trying to maintain my own mental health. But then I remember that that person, that detractor, they spend the time trying to convince someone else not to book me. And then that person is coming and showing me the screenshot and then booking me. And that shows that in the end, good vibes and karma, it really delivers. Being an honest and chill photographer really does pay off. The people who are trying to badmouth you, they end up like fading away and hopefully become successful at something else. I'm not going to be a prick and say, oh, I hope you never become successful at anything. They'll become successful at something else. You know, when they uh, learn that maybe bad-mouthing people doesn't really help them. You know, be good to people and people will be good to you. It's that simple. And loyalty is everything to me because, you know, the ways loyalty is paid off for me, even when it meant that I had to forego an opportunity to remain loyal to someone, you know, it's, it's always been worth it. When we start to look at, you know, the, that perspective, the my turf perception really starts to you fall away and become irrelevant because clients, friends, and other networks start to make that turf concept invalid. It's just photographing what you love and what you're built to do. It's that simple. I also found this um, Reddit thread and I thought it was like interesting some of the answers on it. The, the Reddit question was, what are some of the cardinal sins a new photographer can make? And I was like, oh man, what the hell are people going to put in here, right? So I'm just going to read out some of these and then tell you what I think. So this, the top one, 92 points. Their advice uh, for, well, not their advice, as they're just saying the cardinal sin is Stop shooting because somebody says their photos are bad or because they lose the trust in themselves and therefore stop learning. And I think that's something that we always sort of talk about on the podcast anyway, is like, who cares what someone says about your work? You know, who cares? If you're having fun, keep doing it. Eventually, um, you know, you'll sort of, you'll find people that appreciate what you're creating. The next one, 91 points, is, and I'm surprised this one got 91 points, hit on a model or subject. Maybe it's because I don't take photos of models or that, you know, portraits of of models. Like, I don't know, that's, that's creepy. And concerning that 91 points are upvoted, which means that probably happens a lot. I haven't, um, you know, when I get my portraits done, no one hits on me. I wear my nicest clothes and no one hits on me, but I can imagine I've seen some of, some of the creepy looking photographers out there. I'm like, ah, man, those people would creep in. Uh, but I didn't know it was actually that prevalent, uh, but that's concerning. So yeah, I agree with that one. 63 points is in third place. And their comment was shooting a friend's wedding 
is a cardinal sin. I don't know. Like, okay, put it this way. Shoot your friend's wedding. Sometimes people say, hey, why didn't you get Henry to photograph your wedding? I'm like, because Henry was a guest. I'm not gonna ask my guest, oh, hey, Henry, can you come and photograph my wedding? And, you know, also, can you bring your camera and um, take photos of all the stuff? Here's a list of shots that I need. You know, I'm not gonna do that. Like, if you are a guest, then you're a guest. And Henry came and he, he brought his camera and he took this amazing photo and I'm, I love it so much. But I didn't ask him to do that. We got a, a wedding photographer to do that so Henry can come and have a fun time and, and celebrate our wedding with us. So I think shooting a friend's wedding is fine as long as you're not a good enough friend to be invited because, you know, we can't afford to invite all our friends to a wedding. So if you're a loose friend, if you're a perimeter friend, yeah, I'd shoot a friend's wedding. I don't know if I agree with that one. Okay, 62 points. Lecturing non-photographers on how to take better pictures without being asked for advice. Oh man, that is so annoying. I hate that. Like, who even asked you? And someone else like put some context around this in reply, they said, you know how people hate the vegans who constantly preach at you about veganism and then try to push it into every conversation? That's how I feel about photographers who feel they have to publicly critique any photo posted online. Spot on. Man, I hate people that whinge when someone says, oh, hey, I'm a vegan. And they go like, man, you're not gonna change me, man. I eat meat, you know? And then they start to justify it and that person's not even trying to convince them to eat meat. And it's the same thing. I would have I would have shot it this way. I would have, why didn't you do that? Oh, this is the best way to take it. It's like, man, you know what? You had the exact same amount of time as me and you didn't go and create it. Why don't you go and create it? Uh, but you didn't. So yeah, that is so annoying. And this person, very simple, cardinal sin. I don't know what any of the others are, but shitty HDR is by far the worst. Ah, oh, man, I'm sorry if anyone, you know, really likes HDR of any kind, but yeah, I'm with this guy. I hate HDR. Buying expensive gear because you think it'll make you a better photographer. Yeah, I think we all agree with that one. That one's spot on. Listening when people tell you that your photos have to have a meaning, just take things that look nice to you and enjoy. Don't get cocky either and start taking a bunch of jobs when you start out, especially if you've never done one. Try to go out with an experienced photographer and learn from them. Yeah, I agree with that. That's like a pretty standard sort of one. Uh, Underexposing is a big one that I'm seeing with new young photographers that think they're achieving a moody look, but instead they're just shadows all over the place. Ah, this guy's, nah, I agree with that. I, I mean, I disagree with that. I disagree with that. I'm not even gonna finish, finish reading that one. That one's really annoying because attitude of that guy, they think they're achieving a moody look. Um, and whatever they think they're doing, that's what they're doing, all right, whatever. This person says, a cardinal sin is not having a plastic bag in your camera kit. What kind of people are these? I disagree with that. I, I shoot in the rain all the time. I don't I don't have a plastic bag in my kit. Like sometimes it's useful, but I wouldn't say it's a cardinal sin. Shoot ISO 100 for everything because it's the best, yeah? 
Granted, it forced me to learn aperture and shutter speed manipulation faster than it otherwise would, and as a legacy, I can shoot pretty low shutter because it became a necessity. Boost the ISO and crank it, don't worry, max it out if it gets you the shot. Boosted ISO looks better to me than a pop-up flash, so what if the photo is noisy and grainy? You think it looks worse than 1600 35mm film? Interesting, because someone on Twitter was saying, uh, they put out a tweet probably like no more than a week ago saying that somebody was um, being arrogant because they were sort of telling him that, oh look, you know, why are you shooting on such a high ISO? And acting like the closer you can get to 100 means you're a better photographer. It's like, that's, that's such a wanky attitude. I hate that. And then this one I thought is a good one to end on. A cardinal sin is to be scared to take a bad shot, to break some gear, to shoot strangers in the street, to try new things, to be wrong, to be right, to always learn, to share photos, to be on social media, to enter context, or to get critics. Yeah, I think that covers everything, right? Like you are the photographer you are. I don't think there's such a thing as a cardinal sin, although I do agree with some of these ones in the thread. Anyway, I'll put the link in the show notes if you want to read some of these other ones or you want to read what that that arrogant guy who was talking about underexposure was talking about. Don't get bother reading that. All right, two questions to finish off the last podcast for 2019. The first 2018. Oh my god, man. I don't even I don't even know what year it is. You know I sent an email the other day saying like I stayed up late at night. And I said, here's the photos that we did from our shoot. Thanks so much. You know, here's the link. Here's my invoice. I attached that, but I forgot to send the link to the photos. Then I went to sleep. So that was, that was like almost no point me staying up late. But, uh, you know, I'm all over the place. So, yes, it is, 20, it is 2018. I was about to say 19 again. I told you, look, forget about it. It is 2018. We're going to close out 2018 with these two questions. Then we can focus on 2019. At that time, I'll probably think it's 2020. feels like just the other day I was swimming in my friend's pool and it turned the year 2000 and his dad switched off the lights and acted like the Y2K bug affected the power <laughs> to his house. <laughs> but it didn't. Like, there's no such thing. I think it affected like two computers. Who was thinking the Y2K bug was some crazy insect crawling through? Uh, Joke's on him. I thought it was fun swimming in the dark. Yeah. All right. Question number one from Cody Brownlee. Hi, Matt. I've, I've followed your page for a long time and I really love your photography work. I always wanted to start photography as a side project myself for enjoyment. I find it's hard to know where to begin though. Do you have any advice for someone wanting to start photography with no experience? I know you're probably really busy, but any feedback would be really appreciated. Thanks for your time, Cody. Cody, I got all the time in the world for you, Cody. Uh, and I appreciate your kind words. That's why I started the podcast is so I have time to answer these things. Like it carves out some time. And it's really good that you're wanting to start it for enjoyment and see where it takes you. That's you know, that's why anyone should get into photography for the fun of it. I don't know what genre that you're interested in, but I would encourage you to just try out as many genres 
as you can think of. Everyone starts with no experience. So don't worry about that. We talked about being a small fish before. Everyone starts out with no experience and then you remain a small fish in a big sea of opportunity. It's very uh, wizardly of me to talk like that. The best way to start though is to get a camera that fits your budget and just know that it's the photographer that makes a picture great. We saw that in the um, the Reddit thread we were talking about. It's the photographer that makes the picture great. It's not the camera. The camera enhances you as a photographer, but it's you that makes the good picture to begin with. So get a camera that's within your budget and go on some photo walks. There's some awesome walking groups around. Like if you go, if you get on Facebook and you type camera walking group or photography walking group, there's a there's a bunch out there that photographers do no matter which city you're in. I haven't done one myself, I have to admit, uh, but I like to walk solo and listen to music and I don't really get much solo time with everything that I'm sort of juggling. And so I prefer to just go out there with a the camera and my phone and just listen to tunes and just um, you reset a little bit. So whether you're going with yourself or with a group, doesn't really matter. Just walk around and take photos of things like streets, flowers, gardens, insects, or life. You know, try to take different photos of what you see all the time and come home and edit them and see what photos you liked most. I used to take photos of leaves all the time. And now I look back and I'm like, man, those leaf shots are boring. I got some, I got some okay leaf shots. Uh, but what that sort of showed me is I'm interested in macro photography. And so I got some macro gear and I, I love doing that. And I don't post much of it because, you know, when you're, when you're doing things professionally, what you want to naturally be good at isn't what you may naturally be good at. And so, you know, I love macro photography and I think I produce an okay macro photo, but you know, as good as I want to be at that, I, I don't have clients asking me to do it. And so maybe I'm just not naturally good enough at that yet. Um, maybe one day, but you know, um, it's important to sort of understand that, but you're in a little bit of a different boat cause you want to get into it for enjoyment. So if you just keep doing the, those walks, if you just keep exploring and paying attention to the smaller details that you might often see in life, you know, if, if your partner's cooking or you're cooking or something, make sure you stop and, and take photos of the food, you know, display the food in a certain way. And then you try and food photography before you know it. But since you're, like I was saying, since you, you're one to do it out of interest, you don't need to worry about what you're naturally good at, you know, being different to what you enjoy. You can just focus on what you enjoy. And that's a, that's a nice luxury to have what you like doing will become really apparent just by exploring and photographing things. Like I was saying, you'll be exposed to landscapes, macro opportunities, portraits, street photography. And I think that's the most natural way to get started without, you know, knowing what you're actually interested in. Um, you know, if you were interested in a certain sport, then I would say, Hey, contact the local, uh, you know, football club and say, Hey, can I uh, come and take some photos of the team? I'm just starting out. I think one of the key things is to just be upfront that you're just starting out. Be upfront that you're wanting to build a portfolio. 
because there's probably no one else offering that local football club, you know, many photos, but I'm sure, you know, the, the AFL team's getting a heap of offers. And so contact your local and just offer them something um, that's a mutual benefit. They get photos and you get some experience. It's no skin off their nose, but, you know, I would try to try to marry up whatever your personal interest is with photography. But if you're absolutely not sure what you want to do, go on those walks and good luck. All right, last question for 2018. Got it right that time. Fry candy photo simply asked, I'm stuck in a rut, man. Where do you go for inspiration when you hit a wall? And I think this is a question that everyone needs an answer to one time or another. And I go through it, you know, in phases as well. And I'm really, really bad at dealing with it. I have to admit, I just sit there and I do nothing about it. I shoot less. And that's the opposite of what I know I should be doing to, um, to fix it. You should go outside, like I said, with the previous question and just go for a walk, photograph stuff that, you know, you don't know you care about. I think the key is to not produce work that, you know, wows yourself. It's not about that. It's, you know, that's what people think you're trying to achieve. And so when they're doing something that doesn't wow them, they feel like they're not getting out of the rut. But what you're actually trying to do is to just take photos. Your photography is, you know, primarily done for enjoyment. I mentioned that before. Just take a load off. Just relax take the pressure off it and just do what you feel like doing. I think consistency is key and it's hard to get the motivation to be consistent when you're in the rut, but just getting that motivation to get outside, to take some photos, even though you're creating work that you might not be super passionate about, it's not about the content or the subject. It's about just doing photography. It's that simple. Another thing you might find useful though, and this can be a double-edged sword, but I'll say it anyway. You could go to an art gallery and look at what's displayed. You When you're doing that, you're resetting your brain with content that isn't necessarily yours. Well, it isn't necessarily. If you're going to your own art gallery, uh, you're not getting out of a rut or maybe you're not in a rut. But, you know, it doesn't have to be a photo gallery. It can be any type of art. It's just about consuming something that someone else had created and just taking a minute to just remember that the creative process is equally about you being a consumer as it is a creator. I hope it helps. I don't have the answer to that one, but that's what I know deep down I have to do when I'm stuck in a rut. Just keep going. Eventually you'll get out of it. It's the same as, it's the same as, anything else when you're feeling sick you feel like you'll never get better and you always do so yeah just keep shooting and keep sharing content like you know some of the stuff that i hang on my walls i probably got like three photos hanging on my walls and i think two of them were taken when i was in a rut and both of those photos i almost deleted when i was you know, going through my culling and saying, oh, this photo worked, this one didn't, almost didn't edit it, almost even deleted it. And then Emily was like, no, you should keep this photo of Soho. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. 
Uh, and then I ended up displaying it in my no pits, just pits exhibition. And now that uh, work is hanging on my wall. And I love that photo now. It's one of the few photos that I took that I liked, but I, I started by hating it. And so sometimes when you're in a rut, you're actually not in a rut. It's just your own uh, perspective. So being consistent can produce some work that uh, retrospectively you will appreciate. But that's it for 2018. We are done. Filter will be back in 2019, probably in early January if I don't get stuck in a rut. And I have some guests that are going to, they're going to pop on and give you a break from my solo voice. We're going to have a little chat. And I'm really looking forward to that. We'll drink a beer together and um, we'll share some info about the music industry and how photography plugs into it. So I'm looking forward to that. But I want to thank you for your support this year. Thank you for your downloads. Thank you for all the kind words that uh, you said to me about some of my photo. Thanks for everyone that has um, sort of taken me aside and said something nice or um, just wanted to connect and have a beer. I just like just meeting up with people. So I really appreciate that. I look forward to heaps more in 2019. Have a safe and fun break. Take some great photos and spend some time with people you love, whoever that is, whether it's your disabled cat like me or whether it's um, a very extended family and um, my idea of a nightmare, but could be what you love. So have a safe break and I will see everyone in 2019.